Well, welcome to another episode of Art and Victory from the Show Starts Now Studios. We're hanging out at Main Site Contemporary Art Gallery down here in Norman. We've had these paintings are awesome. There's a there's a cloud exhibit. It's David Holland is the artist, and we've just been warming up, talking about the art. It's been amazing. Um, and this, you have until July 12th to come down here and see it if you're into that, um, and you should be. Uh, I want to go ahead and meet our panelists. We have three awesome panelists today. If you could please introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. Yeah. Check, check. Uh, my name is Jacoby Isham. Uh, I'm an artist that goes by Jacoby Ryan from Loudon, Oklahoma, who is a hip-hop artist as well as an entrepreneur and mentor. I'm Tracy Zeke. I am a publicist in Oklahoma City, and I work with a lot of arts organizations. I also um, am a children's book author. Hi, I'm Hannah Royce. I'm a creative entrepreneur and I also started a women's empowerment event called Confidence Con. I currently work for Downtown Oklahoma City Partnership as their social media coordinator. And I'm also the secretary of the newly formed Pride, Oklahoma City Pride Alliance. Right on, excellent panel. So the topic today is uh, we want to discuss what it's like to represent yourself on social media as a creative entrepreneur. All of y'all are creative entrepreneurs, but in different ways. Some of you have to represent yourselves, some of you represent others, some of you represent organizations that maybe are an extension of yourself. And so we want to delve into uh, what that feels like, what that looks like, and uh, just have a great conversation that might inspire other entrepreneurs to explore their own way that they re represent themselves. So. Um, I want to get it kicked off by asking Jacoby. Um, I know that you're an artist. I'm pretty familiar with artists. Tell me a little bit about, uh, just tell me about how you approach representing yourself online. Um, it's really changed because I had a name change um, in January where I went to my actual first and the middle name. Uh, so, and, and the reason for that was my purpose as an artist was a lot more real and authentic to me as opposed to being an, an kind of like a character. It was more so, this is just who I am conveying myself. So, um, it started there where it became, it was just, I had to be authentic. And then everything else kind of sprawls from being authentic, uh, the authenticity of it. So, uh, from there, it just becomes a matter of who am I, who do I see myself as, and what can I act like to embody that, as opposed to trying to base my social media presence off of what people want to see is more so off who am I, uh, what message do I want to get across, what's my purpose, and what connects where I'm at to my purpose. Awesome. And so could you hone in a little bit about uh, what that purpose is now versus, I, I mean, I guess, how is that conveyed better now that you're Jacoby Ryan than it was when you were fresh? Uh, Jacoby Ryan was a part of, of, of kind of focusing that purpose. Um, but I mean, now, as you know, the 52 and 365 campaign where I'm putting out a new song, video, and podcast every week, um, a lot of content has to come out. So I didn't want to oversaturate myself with personal things or with, of course, with the music because that's oversaturating as well. So I, I wanted to have a, a equal balance of both personality and business, so to say. Uh, so for me, it's just been a matter of being cognizant and aware of how much I'm posting, what I'm posting about, and being and, and really keeping my content focused to what my purpose is. So my purpose right now is this 52 and 365. So the content that I engage with, the hashtags that I use, they're all in that same vein. It's going to go with that week's songs topic, um, to where I'm not getting off topic and talking about the the numerous debates and arguments you can get on on social media and getting myself involved in that. Gotcha. So kind of cutting it down to, to you know, be authentic, but but show people cut out all the 
the other stuff that could be distracting or miscommunicate. Um, and, and really, I got it from a book where it, it, the conscious capitalism is where the book that I got it from, where it talks about every company has to operate from its purpose. Every decision should be made with the purpose in mind. Every decision should be guided by the purpose of your organization uh, so that you always keep in mind what what's going on and what you're trying to get to and don't get distracted with this, the short-term gains and short-term distractions that you can see at any time. Awesome. I want to segue over to Hannah Royce because I like talking about balancing business and personality and authenticity. I think that that, that really makes me think of uh, probably a lot of the communication you have to to work with for um, for ConCon and things like that. Could you tell us a little about ConCon and how you represent it online? Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted Confidence Con after seeing and experiencing other uh, creative kind of boutique events and conferences were so hot when about four years ago, and they've always been a thing, right, where we gather and we like to talk to each other and look each other in the eye, and it's a thing that humans enjoy. Um, but I experienced one in LA that really transformed how I saw the ability to connect to women in this digital realm that we're in. Um, and that is by like shaking them out of their comfort zones and bringing them to where we do dance parties and all that. But um, it's kind of fun if you scroll back to the very first photo for Confidence Con's Instagram. I started that Instagram so intentionally, like with this thought of what it could be and what it would be, that um, every post is something that was so intentional. And I'm a content curator, so of course that's like what I, I wanted it to be, but I was literally creating something out of nothing. Um, I could only tell people about it and show people about it in this visual way to make them think that Confidence Con was going to be something that they had to experience and that was why they had to buy their ticket. And so um, there's this really cool gal, Ingrid Fatelli, who talks about the theory of joy and aesthetics and how um, really these tangible things really do bring pleasure to us and that's why we love social media that's why people love Instagram so much is because yes it does you know light up that part of our brain that creates dopamine and yada yada and we could go into the being mindful about how we use social media and all of that but um, at the time, because Confidence Con, I knew it was going to be so beautiful in person. I had to literally create that on our Instagram, and it's still content. Like people will follow us from, you know, LA or different places, and they're like, "You're in Oklahoma," you know. They're very confused. Um, but through inspiration online, um, and kind of seeing the really tasteful kind of um, simple way that people use Instagram to create a vibe, right? To create mm -hmm. a whole world inside of three photos at a time in, in a grid. Uh, so I guess I got really specific about what Confidence Con would look like and I created it online first and then in person and then kept doing that back and forth and back and forth. And we didn't shy away from using cuss words or, you know, lyrics that we knew might have been applicable or people's real life stories or um, sometimes just a daily mantra to, you know, give give a little bit more than buy your ticket, come to this event. It happens once a year. So uh, we even have a like an online Slack channel where we take that a step further and we help women connect after the conference and that sort of thing. So um, all of that to say, Confidence Con was kind of birthed 
in the in the online world to create real life connection um, in a in a time when that's kind of few and far between, especially locally. Um, I think we know people online and then we meet them, but maybe we're we don't go out to coffee with them or like you were saying, like you know taking someone to coffee and just talking to them and looking them in the eye, that creates those connections. Tracy was actually a speaker at our first year of ConCon, and you know we've gone on to be friends and you know pass clients to each other or ask for help when we need it and that sort of thing. And I think it's those type of relationships that creatives need to learn that making makes your online promotion more authentic, mm -hmm. right? Because you're meeting these people, but you're not actually saying, oh, we should really go go get coffee sometime, you're actually following through and doing it, and um, that's kind of what we did with ConCon, too. We said, we're going to create this thing, and we did it, and we've come back and made it better each year, and yeah. Well, I agree. I think one thing that is always true is people are so drawn to authenticity, and, and I understand why you'd make the change for you as an artist. I think it's really fascinating, the idea of, of creating authenticity for something that doesn't exist yet, yeah. you know, but it, but it is totally real in your head, you know, and so being authentic to this idea. Well, Tracy, I want to hear, I know that you work with clients and do a lot of high-level strategy at Bumbershoot, things like that. Um, what's it like trying to create that authenticity for, for somebody else that's not you and it's not an idea inside your head? Can you talk, speak to that? Um, yeah, you know, I think, I think the interesting parallel here, and I wonder if that was intentional on Dennis's part, was like the authenticity with the three of us, because I don't think you're going to find <laughs> three more people who are willing just to talk about all of it. But um, that's really important to me. It's important to me with my clients as well. So my personal social media is um, me. You know, it's very mm -hmm. me. And the reason it's like that is because I don't want people to reach out to me to try to work with me if we're not going to fit. Like, I don't want that kind of work. I want the kind of work that I believe in that I can easily talk about and brag about and tell, and tell my son about, you know, and be proud of it. So I set up my world so people know me because I think it's easier that way. Mm -hmm. They don't waste any time and I don't waste any time. Um, for clients, the, you know, same thing. I try to get them to tell as much about their truth. And um, you know, most of it, I don't, I don't, I don't do a lot of like social strategy. Um, I have a direction, but I think there are better people for it, and I usually work with them. It's just Bumbershoot is just back to being Tracy Zeke only. I don't have employees, and I, I do all the work myself, and mm. it's gorgeous, and I love it, and I'm back to being like super joyful about my work once again, like I was when I started. But um, it's coming up on 10 years this year, and I am. Um, I am here to say that like I probably know less now than I knew when I started, you know, um, or at least willing to admit that, right? right. Like, um, so, you know, I think on the, when you're, when you have clients and you're trying to get them to talk about anything to reporters, to each other, internally, externally, you know, I do a lot of messaging um, for clients and I think that finding the truth and then building on that instead of here's what we're going to create for you. It's more like, tell me about you. Tell me your truth. Let's put that in words that convey what you really want them to gain from that. And we do that with all, all kinds of messaging, um, you know, that eventually could make it to social, for example. But sure. for the most part, it's just how do we talk about ourselves as a company, as a, you know, as a client? Like, how do they talk about themselves? And then how do I help them shape the words to where it's getting into the ears of the right audience in a way that conveys what they actually mean because the words mm -hmm. that they're saying sometimes are matching up with what people are hearing right that makes sense so have you seen situations could you could you speak to a situation where maybe you 
you've really gotten that right and how other people, you know, the, the audience responded to it and maybe speak to a situation where maybe that wasn't quite nailed. You don't necessarily have to name any names, but, but, but can you kind of speak to how people react when you really get the messaging right, you really convey, you know, authentically who this person is, whether it's you or someone else. And honestly, on the getting it wrong thing, if I've gotten it wrong, I've gone back and fixed it, so I don't sure. have anything kind of hanging in my head that I can pull. Mm-hmm. I'll probably remember tomorrow and like, yeah. text you. What's well, an example yeah. of a big win where you're like, man, we did this and it was so real um, and people just... Well, um, you know, just really, it, it's all of it. It, it. All of your words matter when you're putting them together to tell your story. So when you even writing a press release or a typical media pitch, um, everything you're saying is eventually going to get into print somewhere, right? Um, we had a little bicycling event yesterday. I recognize some of you here. So I handled the publicity for that. It's a um, safe streets. Um, yeah, yeah group of people trying to organize to get streets safe for cyclists and pedestrians in Oklahoma City. Um, part of that messaging that we you know, shared with the reporters who were doing the story was what we wanted you know, someone to walk away with. So we just condensed it. We just didn't put a whole press release out. We said, here's a quote, here's the couple of facts, and here are the you know, studies they're pulled from. And then come to the event, and people came to the event. They heard more words, but all of the things we wanted people to know, all the study, you know, 35 people out of 10,000 people die on, on the roads, either pedestrian, you know, on their way to work every year. I mean, it's a, a it's a lot, you know, it's a lot of people dying in our market because of this. So mm-hmm. I think um, making sure that we drop the thing, it's just being really intentional about what you're sharing, so the words that you're, you know, putting putting on paper or putting in an email get conveyed in the story mm-hmm. that's mainly what I do is the earn media side yeah and I, I can I can definitely see that that event I've seen it everywhere and you can get so much like from the people posting about it it's not from an Instagram account about it but it's actually gone into other people in the community and I, I know the story no one's writing anything big and long I mean some people are but I get the feeling of it. Like I think that when you nail that authenticity, it becomes something that other people can share, uh, which I think is really, uh, especially with that example, we, y'all have really, really done that. We were, you know, saying that the idea, the the goal of something like that is to create something. So if it's just it's volunteers, you know, people saying we've got to push this, we've got to push this. So you create something joyful and positive, and that everyone wants to jump on, and then. You want to make it so joyful and so positive that someone takes it and runs with it, so you don't have to do it anymore. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes something so awesome that someone wants to take it and make it their own and put their name on it. And you're like, go to town. I love it. Okay, I got one more question for you, Tracy, before we move on. Um, you know, we're talking a lot about online presence, and uh, but we're also talking about creativity, like IRL creativity. You know, so and um, so in the things that you create. Um, Tell me about the thought process between I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm in my creative space and, 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 and mainly being there and then getting it out to the world and communicating about it. What's that look like, that transition? Is it, does it, do they affect each other in some way? Um, I, I approach everything the way it needs to be approached. So I don't have a method that I use for everyone. But one thing that I try to always do is sit down and just like listen to what someone has to tell me about themselves. And then I ask a bunch of questions. I was meeting with someone today. He was like, I want to do you know XYZ on with these goals and I'm like all right so let's go backwards from there let's start with your goal and then let's work backwards what do we need to do what might be missing what are, and so then back in that area is when you can start asking questions like well do you deserve it you know what's the what's the what are the proof points how do you how do you prove that 
through what you've done so far. How, what, if someone asks this question, what's your answer? And so you start, you know, breaking it down backwards. So by the time you do that, you have this kind of scaffold built under what it is you're trying to say and you can't be knocked down. That's perfect. So just having a really solid foundation. Um, maybe you know, last time, the last episode of Art and Victory, we ended up a lot on your why. You know, like if you really know why you're doing it, it's, 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 easy, to, it's easy to talk about it. But I'm kind of curious, Jacoby, same question. Um, have, in, in writing songs and in, in, in rapping, recording, et cetera, is there ever a time where um, maybe the social media world affects your creativity world or I'm sure vice versa but but is there any, ever a time where creativity is actually affected by your thought of communicating it um, for sure I mean that's I think that's kind of one of the biggest things we struggle with as creatives as it is is do we want to create uh, what people want do we want to supply the demand or do we want to create the demand and give them what what we want to give because we know it's valuable for them right. um, and I think that's where it comes to came down for me is the value where is the value at um, after authenticity for me the next most important thing is value so I want to give my my authentic purpose in order and be clear clear on that and then from there what's valuable to other people about that and convey that value that way um, so for me as in recording, uh, I've kind of found that as it's, it's better for me to separate the two processes where I'm expressing it. And I see the social media side as marketing and the recording, writing, this is like the production side. So the production, uh, I read uh, Seth Godin, uh, The Green Cow, or The Purple Cow. I mean, he talks about um, a lot of, what, what people should do is put the marketing in the part of development to where you're not spending money on getting the message out, you're spending on putting the value in the product because once the value's in the product and the person gets the product, they, like, like she said, they spread the word like with the, with the cycle event themselves. <laughs> you don't have to spend money on investing because you put all the money and the, the work into the value and the value spreads itself. Um, so that's where I try, to, I try to come from an authentic place in my music because I know people who listen to it are listening for authenticity and things that they can relate with in the human experience. If, I, if I'm real with my experience, mm -hmm. it's going to be relatable to everybody. Um, so I try to, long story long, I try to make sure I, I keep my uh, authenticity at the forefront. And then once that's done, then we look at, okay, how can we best convey this value that we've already defined, articulated through our purpose and in the marketing side. I see. So, I mean, I, that sounds like very similar to Trace, you've built a strong scaffold and you're like, I know this is who I am and this is what I am, then the communication becomes a lot easier. You don't get too wrapped up with how to, I don't know, get likes or Absolutely. followers or whatever. And, and even a happen. more concentrated uh, case um, where I put a video out every week and of course I go back and look at my analytics after each video and see, okay, who responded to what, what are the characteristics of this video, uh, what worked, what didn't. Um, and what I've done now is before I went into it, just trying to make a video that, that best uh, described the, the song concept. Whereas I started seeing how things were, I started seeing, okay, well-lit videos are, are most uh, engaged with, um, videos with plots um, that have a story to develop, and then also being specific with my targeting. So I do the song, make it authentically, don't think about who I'm giving it to, make the song, do the video when I think that when I think of the video though that's where I connect the audience mm. where it's like it may be a song about um, um, poverty uh, impoverished neighborhoods so maybe I want to do the video with students at a school who aren't getting the lunches they need or teachers who aren't getting the salaries they need and then when I market it just market it to teachers to where you're giving them what they need already it's, you don't have to 
make these guesses about, oh, maybe they'll like it, maybe they'll like it, and spend all this money blindly and waste a lot of money trying to get to these eyes that don't care about it. And you can actually specifically think about who am I going towards and go straight to them and put the value in it for them. That's great. So it sounds like there's, there's a part of the creative process that, you know, it sounds like for you, music especially, it's like, it just is what it is, and then as it as it gets closer to like being seen, there's more consideration going into like how it's presented to make it the Absolutely. most successful. Okay, Absolutely. that's very interesting. Hannah, in those same lines, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know you run a lot of different types of social media accounts, so any examples you want to pull from? Yes, um, the I, I mean all of that is is great stuff. You got to know where you're going, where you're headed, and what what it looks like to market it to the audiences that you know want to hear at the end of the day all social media is and like the way we're trying to present things is the way we want to hear them that's how we should present them right you shouldn't present things that you I guess I, what I'm trying to say is when I write a caption, whether it's for like Midtown or Confidence Con, you know, I think about who's reading this and kind of obviously the, the vibe of whatever that account is. Um, but I do, as much as I take photos for a living, I also write captions for a living. And these are like short, you know, things that we want to immediately resound with someone. Um, usually we prefer to elicit some sort of emotion in them. I'm a super, super duper empath. I'm emotional, like I could cry at the drop of a hat or laugh, like cackle witch for no reason, whatever it might be. But um, I guess feelings are involved when creating stuff. And I think that's probably true for any creative. Um, but separating out the strategy is obviously important to have you know, a calendar and, and planning and things like that that go into it. Um, but really, it's it goes into another layer when you think about feelings and emotion. Because I believe that when you post something that you're just trying to push out, get out, post it now kind of thing, just post something to post something, people totally feel it. Right. So I get my social strategy is always super woo-woo. It's like Tracy getting to the bottom of like, who are you as a person? And like, do you have good moral values? Do you believe in fiduciary duties? Like what is your, you know, what is your meat and potatoes so that I actually know you and that I trust you and I can put your message out there? That's the same way I feel about when I put a message out there, constantly um, crafting words and, and images and ones that I enjoy consuming. So um, not even just myself, but obviously, like Jacoby said, looking back at what works, what doesn't. Um, I've been loving going to talk to these business alliances about like what performs well, because um, previously downtown OKC had contractors doing that, so they weren't as like hands-on with say our business alliances in each sub-district. So I'll be like dogs and coffee and skyline photos, they perform really well. <laughs> and people are just like, oh. And I'm like, so maybe as a business, you just incorporate more of like your district and just outside and just things that people like. People are going to start to take to your message more because you're just a normal person. You do run a business, but you like dogs and coffee and skyline photos just like everyone else in the world. So like there's a sort of feeling and emotion that you just got to like 
plug into just straight up human connection, like that's why it's social media, and um, that's why. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of good exactly. dogs in downtown Norman. <laughs> a lot of good dogs around here. Exactly. Like we posted. We actually, I didn't even take the photo. Like I reposted uh, Stevie the dude. Uh, he's a golden doodle that lives in Midtown Aww. and has like 12,000 followers and his mom and dad are really good at content creators because <laughs> like we requested that photo and it was immediately like 800 likes and I'm like see like we gotta have more Stevie the dudes d-o-o-d by the way um but anyway so it's just like it's connecting like it's humor it's sad things it's like, I don't know if any of you follow Jen Gotch, but she's been a huge um, vulnerability, like, queen in my world to just, like, watch as she, she started Shop Bando, which is, like, any funky girl you know has a Shop Bando, like, notebook on her desk and pin and stickers and, like, loves to plan and her Bando planner. Um, and I actually saw her speak at Create Cultivate uh, in 2014. 15. Um, I always met fudge that year. I'm bad with times. Like, time isn't linear. But anyway, um, so I saw her talk, and she she's an L.A. gal, um, and she's been really open about her anxiety and depression. And But she'll also post, like, these trash can. Um, she's in, like, the garage in front of, like, the dumpsters, and she'll just set her phone, like, on the floor and record these dance videos of herself, and they're, like, these trash can dumpster sessions. There's even a really funny one where someone's like opening the garage door as she's dancing and she like runs and grabs her phone. <laughs> so anyway, all of that to say is she's just super fucking vulnerable. Like she tells it like it is, whether she's like feeling these sad, sad days that she just like can't get over. But in the midst of it all, she's the CEO of Bando and like, being really honest with her, her all of her coworkers and, and staff and all of that just really lays it on the line. Um, and she's kind of flaky, like she'll admit that. She's like, well, you know, sometimes like mental health, it rules other things and I have to push things off if I'm not okay in here. So I think it, all of that to say like, whether I'm managing Midtown or Confidence Con or the HQ studio where I get to like, be a little bit more funky. Um, I also have a fancy Royce account that is my old Instagram, like personal Instagram, because when I started my own business, I had um, egg in a glass, which is what it was, it was called when I first started like my creative agency stuff. Um, and so I kept like my personal account separate from my business account, changed my business account to just Hannah Royce because it was just me, like I didn't have staff or anything. So Fancy Royce has become my future account for like my artist stuff and model. I also rap and like have never put anything out nice. there in the world. So like these are things that um, I am fueled by. I'm fueled by music and art and community. And I think that's all people want to know because they're all fueled by the same things. Like most of us are. So when it comes to your social plan, you have to like, yes, you have to know what you're about, but you ha also have to know what you fear. 
and once you know what you fear you can tackle that and um, even if it takes you like 10 years to put out a mixtape or whatever like eventually you'll get there even if you're knocking down the doors of patriarchy first so um, <laughs> so yeah just be vulnerable know what you're about know what your clients are about if you're working with other people in the digital realm like people are gonna see right through your bullshit so we have to be honest and and like that's how good guerrilla movements like what happened yesterday in Oklahoma City will happen and will continue to happen and I think it's um, super important to just like bang down some doors right now. It'll happen on the 15th and 19th if you're Yeah, no doubt. And, and you know, sometimes I end up speaking to somebody about social media, they're asking me for advice, and I think that they're really looking at it through a lens of, uh, they're almost asking the question in the way of like, what do I need to post to get people to like me? And, and the answer is you need to you need to just communicate well, right? Like, it's the same as, as real life communication. If you're authentic with people, they like that. When you don't just talk, but you also listen, which is what looking at metrics is, you know, well, how do people respond to that? That's listening, you know? So if you just, I, I find generally if you're a good communicator, uh, that's what it takes. But I've also found there are some challenges with social media. You know, like I definitely communicate a lot better in this environment than I do on social media. And it's there was a long time where I was really bad at it. I really struggled to communicate on social media. I was kind of all over the place. Do you guys, is there anything that you found really challenging about just the format of social media that's, that's made communication a little more challenging? I mean, humanness. Oh, use the mic. Yes. Um, I, you know, I maybe outside of the realm of kind of what we're talking about specifically, but I think just humanness. It's a, it's about it's it's training us to tell someone something, mm -hmm. and then it's not, and so it's not fostering anything, and that's why you know confidence con, things like that matter because um, we need to communicate with each other and, and not at each other, and um, and I think that. As things divide further and further, who knows? You know how are we gonna how are we gonna connect people back again? And and because we're training them to just this is how I feel, and everybody else is garbage if you don't feel like I feel. So you're not considering anyone's experiences. You're not considering anyone's like, you know, their journey to that thing because we're all pretty much alike. We have some parts where we don't Venn diagram over <laughs> or right, you know, we, right. we don't right. But um, but I think. That's the problem with it, is that it just is, it's telling and not talking with, it's talking at. Mm -hmm. uh, do any of y'all, any other panelists have a, some thoughts on that? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I mean, the listening part is probably the most valuable part, in my opinion, just um, not making it self-centered, not being self-indulged, um, but it being more so driven by the value that you're providing for people that, and for example, um, and I, th I think all this is solved like when we do the, the inner work of finding the purpose. When we look at like if you ask somebody, hey, what's what's wrong with you? And they say, I had a bad day at work. And then you ask them why. Like I, usually after like three or four whys, you get to the meat of the problem. And it usually doesn't have anything to do with work or school or whatever they had a bad day at. And whatever that experience is, once they dive deep into that last layer of what the real why is, that why is usually relatable to every human being because we all go through that emotion at some point in some way. So I feel like if we can do the inner work to find that purpose, which I read that it comes in clarity, then detachment, and then equilibrium, where 
you become you, you get you gain clarity by looking at your purpose and asking yourself why am I doing this what am I getting out of this how do I need to do this what, is, what are some deal breakers um, what what has to be done and then we have certain clarity of what our purpose is so now we have detachment from any any solution or I'm sorry any result so if I'm on social media and I have clarity as far as what my purpose is who I am as an authentic person I'm detached from the conversations that are detached from my goal and my purpose. I have no time to waste on that. And also, what I do put out, now I can look at, okay, this is my purpose. How can I best relate to these people that I want to talk to? While I, I think it's also, like she said, like Hannah said, it's a, it's a very delicate balance in uh, making sure that you're prioritizing your authenticity first, but also providing that authenticity in a way that's mindful of how people talk and want to be talked to and, and like you said we're all human beings we want to talk this we want to be taught the same way so uh, I think just being selfless um, in our authenticity uh, to put it shortly and succinctly I think is, is important. Mm -hmm. Hannah have you found any challenges with social media and communicating and try to find any workarounds of those challenges? Planning ahead is really nice um, when you want to be on certain platforms that maybe aren't your jam. Twitter is not so much my jam uh, so, you know, scheduling, like finding out where your weak spots are um, so that you can automate them maybe. Uh, and then I, I just want to touch too on, on this thought of being engaged and being, um, there are a lot of ways like maybe being authentic isn't your jam, but you want to know what your audience is interested in knowing from you. And I don't necessarily want you to like get on Instagram stories because one of my pet peeves is going like, Hey guys, it's me. I just want to know what you want to hear from me. Like, don't, oh, let's yeah. not do it in that way. But mm -hmm. I think that it is fair for you, like if you're starting your own thing, maybe you sell a product, I don't care what it is, um, music, or you can do it in a creative way. Like Instagram stories now has the poll thing or the questions or like I love these new ways of interacting because I do think people do want to be in your DMs but not necessarily like for in a bad way or, or bad connotation but just right. to talk to you just to get outside of the post that you just had on your feed and maybe they don't want to publicly comment something but I do think like direct message and these are things that really activate your audience in a new way that gives them a closer relationship to you at the end of the day. Even when, you know, someone mentions Midtown in our stories or whatever, I comment back and I'm like, love it, have so much fun today, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yes, thank you. You know, it, it gives them this feeling of there's somebody listening, watching, responding, talking to me. There's someone behind this that's um, creating it. And that, that has been a challenge because uh, when I was just managing accounts for local businesses, you know, um, I was on the other side of that, like trying to to know their story and to speak authentically for them. Um, and this district thing has been fun because it's it's not exactly that. At the end of the day, I'm not selling anything. So my main goal really is connection. And like I'm getting ready to spotlight a bunch of business owners and like different things that we've never done as district accounts, you know. So finding new ways to engage with people that really makes them feel like wow, I know that person, like, I keep going back to this, but, um, like, that cheers feeling, like, you want to know, everyone knows your name, and, like, 
that's why we love Oklahoma and, and this this vibe that we can know each other online, but we can, like I said, like connect in real life, um, or maybe you know that direct message gets us to coffee eventually, or, or however it works out. But then we end up collaborating, and then this creates a partnership, and then we do a social media campaign, and we get a bunch of views because it was authentic and whatever. However that happens, but don't be afraid to like open yourself up for um, people to talk to you because mm -hmm. they want to. Absolutely. Yeah. So talking about the the real life experience. Um, we obviously communicate about our creativity, not just on social media. Do you ever feel like the way that the fact that you do communicate about it on social media affects the way you communicate about it in person, whether it's in a good way or a bad way? Sometimes you can get something out. I do know that sometimes you can get a thought out or you can get something out that you need to get out of the way so you can get to the other stuff. And for me, that's what Twitter does that for me. Um, I can get stuff out of me that I need to get out of me so I can get back to like what I need. It's like, you know what I mean? If so, I Twitter, that's what I use yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. Is that, is that yeah, on your personal like, Twitter or more for, that, more for, uh, for brands as well? Uh, that's just my personal. For your personal yeah, one. Personal. I was just wondering if it's like, man, I'm so mad about sales last quarter. Like, <laughs> get that out of my system Sorry, now. Yeah. I can. <laughs> cool, yeah. So more personal. Yeah, yeah but, um, but, I, but I find that. But I also think that, um, I, I don't know, that, that's, that's, that's just me personally. That's what I. That's what I like about it. Is yeah. Because you do get that out of the way. Because sometimes to be creative and use your creativity, you've got a lot of stuff in the way of it. So it's an extra avenue, maybe, to express yourself, and that'll like by getting to express something that's bothering you, it kind of clears your head. To, yeah. You know. Exactly. Yeah. I know like I saw a snake yesterday and I needed to tell everyone. <laughs> right. It's a good place to do it. I got you. Or like, there's a dog, you know, like, dog. same, same yeah, thing, but on social media. Snake and I had to let everyone know. I love it. Okay, cool. Anybody else? Jacoby, you got any thoughts? Uh, I'll add to that just um, repurposing. I know it can be an issue as far as uh, in real life versus social media marketing, but I mean, maybe I know one thing that I'm looking at doing with the 5213365 thing is I'm putting out artwork for each song every week on social media that I'm using to market it, but at the end of it, I'm going to sell a book with it has a, this actual book of the artwork, you know? So maybe if we have Twitter, we tweet, like if, if it's for the cycle uh, event or the cycle um, uh, cause. If we tweet facts or certain things about the cause, and then after that month or whatever the campaign is for, you repurpose that into an ebook, or you repurpose that into a, a podcast, or you repurpose every every you look at the, every tweet you've tweeted out last year, and you kind of put them into these different categories, and you say, okay, maybe I can do a podcast on this category for May, a podcast on this category for June. I don't have to do any work on finding information because I've already done everything, and just repurposing everything we've already done. I think is another way that we could mesh the two worlds. I love that. That's a great idea. Yeah, that makes me happy. One of my favorite Instagram accounts is Nathan W. Pyle, Strange Planet. Have you seen those? It's like these alien uh, alien comics, and it's just commentary in real life. Yes, yeah. I, I love those things. And and, I, and he's just releasing a, a book, a physical book, and I, I think it really ties into, like, you know, people generally don't want all this to just exist in cyberspace, you know, like it, we want it to be real tangible or, you know, with your Midtown account, like I want to feel like I'm really a part of a community and like that person who's commenting back, I could see him at the coffee shop, like that feels good. I think people sense that, but I don't mean to interrupt. Well, do you have some thoughts on? Uh... Yeah, that's, I don't remember what the question is. Well, I mean, anything you say is gonna, is gonna be awesome. Uh, no, we, we're really just thinking if there, there's any uh, any way that what you say online ends up affecting what you communicate about in real life. Do they interact with each other? Yeah. Well, I love that, and I love that. Um, 
I think that is one of the reasons DOKC hired me, like you said, like they knew that people already know me, like I'm kind of in the community already, mm -hmm. um, keeping my finger on the pulse of things. So they did want that, like Hannah could walk in and they know she does the Auto Alley account or the whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I, I love this idea because I actually was just looking up, um, I've never really called myself a photographer in all the years of like creative stuff that I've done. I've been hired for like photograph, like I've been hired for that thing, but it's one of those things that I've never, you know, I've never seen my stuff printed or like, you know, really like printed my pictures to have them in my house even or things like that. So that was actually something I was doing the other day just to like, um, kind of appreciate myself. Um, I'm gonna get some framed and put them in my office in a cool little um, grid, of course, because um, that's how my brain works now. But I think that <clears throat> with this, so I recently went to All Summit, and that's where I heard the joyful um, concept of like this concept of joy, and I didn't tap into that too much. But basically, it's that <clears throat> women and uh, like our feminine aesthetic, which has been kind of played down and trivial in history, in the course of history, um, especially in like high design and um, I can't think of the interior designer, but I know that another somebody, I'm gonna butcher his name, I can't think of it, but anyway, he basically called her an inferior desecrator because she used like all these floral patterns and color and you know, it was like childlike and um, that's also due to like cultural bias. So like the things that come out of Africa and India that women are making that are always colorful, that always bring joy to anyone who buys them, which now we do. Mexico, like San Brave, like things that we find and like covet because it's colorful and it's bright. Um, these are also the things that have been like over time kind of played down. like. That doesn't matter. So I've often felt like, hey, you're an Instagram like content curator, and one day this is not going to matter because it's not like art and it's not tangible, you know, that sort of thing. But um, it is, and like I'm not going to downplay myself because I'm good at what I do. So um, all of that to say, the uh, like joy that we find through public art, through music, through these things that connect us, um, color and life and those things make us feel more safe. Um, so there's also a painter, a female that uh, painted, you know, marginalized schools that, that had a low um, attendance rate and they started coming, coming to school when she painted a rainbow entrance for them to walk into every day because it just made them all happy and like excited to go to school. So um, these things that we get to do at DOKC were super, they were just uh, super aligned with what I care about, which is placemaking and inclusivity and art and uh, how our downtown could look in 10 years. Um, I just see such a cool future for it. And that is because of aesthetics and because those things bring us joy. They make us feel safe. They make us feel connected to um, maybe a, a culture or a religion or something that we're not that familiar with. And so I think that's why people love social media so much is because they get to open up and like see other worlds without having to break down that barrier. But like my privilege as a white woman is breaking down that barrier and making sure I'm asking questions and doing it in real life too. So that is a way that I 
practice what I preach in real life too. Is like mm-hmm. I'm not just like tweeting when I'm mad or whatever. Not that you, like, <laughs> you, do, you do so much, um, but like I'm out here doing the the social change and justice work too. Like making sure that um, when we do see, we're we're really rowdy when we see like. Um, zero representation or very little representation we have we have a spreadsheet and like we'll send we'll email it to whatever organization or business doesn't have any women performing at their shows or you know whatever it might be we're like hey we have this list and it's broken up into women by what they do and their industry and like you know you should have more (laughs) women at your whatever. So I think you can, there are ways that you can use social media um, to further your, your efforts, no matter what they may be, even if that's collaborating or calling people out on their shit or whatever, but that's, it's, it's how you can make real life change through, through the social media world. I love it. That's beautiful, man. Y'all know a lot about social media. I would love, yeah, I'd love that. Um, in anything we talk about today, just follow Beyonce's lead. Uh, Could we talk about, I mean, last year she had her Coachella show um, that I just learned about this maybe a week or so ago. She had a, a Coachella performance where she got paid, I think, $4 million and Ariana Grande got paid like $9 million for the same time and everything. People got mad about it. And then the next day it came out that Beyonce had negotiated with Coachella and said, okay, I'll take less on the front end to make sure I can own all the rights to my performance. And out of that performance, she went back and she made a Coachella, I mean, a Netflix documentary about the performance. So, and she ended up making like 20, I mean, tens of millions of dollars on that, you know? Right. So, I mean, that's just another way of looking at it, whereas something in real life can also be used in social media and vice versa. Right. Yeah, that's that's very true. It's, it's interesting how it's, I mean, that's repurposing the opposite direction, right? Taking in a real life experience and putting it on the internet instead of, so vice versa. Super interesting stuff. I do want to take a moment. I know we got some guests here, and so we've had a lot of awesome discussion, but we want to be good listeners to everyone in our audience. Do y'all have any questions for these panelists? Uh, anyone specific or just general questions that you feel like we haven't hit on but need to be talked about? He actually just said what I was going to say when you're talking about repurposing. The number one thing I was thinking about was how fucking brilliant Beyonce is. <laughs> that she was like, Which yes, we think about often. Yeah, because like basically she did Coachella a huge favor. Exactly. I was like, I'll come she for her for However, <laughs> I'm gonna make bajillions of dollars off of this, and, and not just I don't I don't always look at things like uh, uh, money is energy. Right, and so the energetic impact that she has made on the world for people to see the culture and people to see where this beautiful movement comes from, like this organic, beautiful, uh, that energetic impact is far beyond the millions of, it's, it's far beyond the zeros. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's something that we're gonna tell our kids about and our grandkids about, and it's something that we're gonna have them watch and see like, look at this, the first time a, a black female was a headline of a very hippie, white, privileged, you know, festival. Uh, and she got up there and she was like, not only am I going to perform, but I'm going to bring all of my history and all of my culture and all of, all of this wisdom that I'm from and, and bring it to you. And then I'm going to put it in your living room, <laughs> like for you to watch over and over and over. And 
like, I mean, repurpose the shit out of that. I mean, she will, that energetically, not even just financially, energetically, that, that ripple uh, effect is just, uh, it's far beyond, it's far, far reaching. And I love what you said about repurposing your content. We have a designer in our studio who, you know, weed brands are like a big thing right now. And so he's just like cranking out all this cool branding for weed stuff. And he was like, well, if they don't like it, they will. If they don't like it, they will. You know, like, and we have to do that because we're expected to create so much content so quickly. I don't give a shit about social media. I'm terrible. Like, anything I know about social media, I know because my lady, but, uh, but it is a great way to convey to your message to people. And so, as far as like social media goes, I like to uh, get an energetic exchange with someone. So like, you know, I teach mindfulness and meditation and kind of different viewpoints and gratitude and things like that. So I like to push buttons with people like, okay, I'm going up to the rooftop, I'm gonna have a solar break and I'm gonna come down and like, I just had a great idea. So I'll share that process with people. Hopefully, you know, you talk about the IRL return, hopefully getting that same kind of method going with other people. Okay, if I take a mindful break and I clear clear my head and I breathe and I stretch, what kind of creativity can I come up with? So, like, what do you guys do for your your practices when maybe you're stuck or your head is so full of all the shit that you have to do because you got to put out all this content? Like, I look at Hannah's Hannah runs like I swear like 25 Instagram accounts. Like, it, 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 it's so true. She has so many that she's responsible for. And like, I'm just some roller, right? Like, I've got one. <laughs> And that's overwhelming. <laughs> she logged me into the HQ studio on Instagram so that I could do like some roller and maybe a little bit of HQ studio. And I'm like, I, I don't know, that's too much. I love it. And so, like, what do you guys do to like clear your uh, uh, mindset so that you can be creative and, and keep producing? Because, like you said, you're putting out like a shit ton of content right now. Do you ever feel like an overwhelming pressure of like, I have to produce, I have to produce, I have to produce, or what? Cool, I'm gonna rephrase the question for the audio. Um, thank you, I wish we would have had that on the mic because that was all brilliant. That was, a, that was a, gr a lot of great commentary and a question. I wanna summarize the commentary, just basically saying, in regards to the Beyonce thing, you know, it's, it's not just about the money and the great business move, money's energy. And so that going into everybody's living room, I mean, the culture, the stuff that she stands for, um, by being smart about how she represents her art on creativity and even just the business that surrounds that, that puts that energy into the world in a big way. Uh, I think the next commentary was mainly about just, as content creators, sometimes you have so much on your plate. Uh, I mean, you're doing a song a week with videos. Like, that's nuts to me. I have no idea how you're doing that. I think you're a magician. <laughs> so how do, you, how do you not go insane? How do you stay grounded and clear your head and, and stay in the zone creatively? What are your practices? Uh, man, I'm going to sound repetitive and redundant, but really it's just the whole CDE. Um, clarity, detachment, and equilibrium, where when you do the clarity, the inner work as far as why am I doing this, what's this for, how does this look if it's successful, and to, when, I, when I do that, then I, I detach myself from anything that doesn't have to do with what I'm trying to get to and how I get there. So if, I'm, if my purpose is putting out uh, a song every, every week and I'm having thoughts that don't align with putting out a song that week and I ain't put out a song that week, it's like, okay, I know for a fact I don't need to be thinking about that. Let me get back on straight on it. And of course, that comes with discipline and things that I damn sure haven't mastered yet, um, but I'm trying to. 
And then, so when I'm detached from the results, I'm detached from the distractions, then my, my equilibrium, it's easy for me to keep my equilibrium because now I know where I want to go and I only need to focus my energy, my synergy on whatever is lifting that up and building that. Um, and also planning was a big thing because I damn sure wouldn't be make, making a new song every week and a new video. Um, so planning was a big thing. It took, I mean, three or four years to do all the material uh, that I'm putting out. Um, and then at the end of the day, I think when you, have, when you know your purpose and you, you're a purposeful person and you live out of purpose, you understand that you have to do things when you're not comfortable, when you're scared people aren't going to like it, when you, people probably won't like it, when it may not be the best thing to do. But it's just a matter of, um, I mean, as the great Nipsey Hussle said who recently passed, it's a marathon. It's just a matter of trying, failing, learning, trying again. Uh, my favorite quote is fail better. And just, just understand failing is, is inevitable um, and embrace it and fail better the next time and fail better the next time is, is my goal personally. But I mean, to, and also as a short, my answer is probably shorter than theirs because I'm a creative. Um, but if I don't feel creativity or I don't feel inspired, I don't do shit. I'm not, I'm not gonna force it. But as an artist, I have that luxury as opposed to them. They're, they have businesses they have to run, so I know that's probably a, a lot more. Um, I know that when I, I make space for my creativity and I, and I have to do, you know, it's a lot of writing, but a lot of times I'll have someone say, we want, you know, obviously we want publicity for this thing we're doing, let's say. So I look at the thing and I'm like, well, you don't, you don't get it for that. So what else can we do? And then we have to sit there and we have to get creative. And we have to come up with an idea that matches what they want, what they're trying to do, and make it say what they're trying to do with their event or with their you know, specific thing. And then, um, and then create the thing. And then start plugging in the players to make the thing come to life. And then we have to do all that in like you know 24 hours. So in order to do that, the goal, I, what I want is this goal. I make an enormous, ridiculous goal. And I think I'm okay if I get part of the way there to that goal, you know. But I, I said it here. I'm like, if we get if we get eight chefs and every chef has a pig, you know, I don't know. I mean, like I'm just saying like that. And then if it boils down to like, there's a guy with some bacon, it's still okay because it's still moving the pork game forward. I don't know. I'm just using pork example. So, um, <laughs> so anyway, um, but I do that. I like make space for it. I like to meditate. I do a specific meditation that I love, um, and um, I do that. But I also like to get inspiration and I get inspiration from like big ridiculous art and so if I can go and like see something insane that I've never seen or wouldn't know how to even start to create that can do it for me and that can get to a part of my brain that does new stuff. Cool. Thank you. You're welcome. I also like to breathe. Um, sometimes it you know happens because my Apple watch tells, tells me to. Sometimes it happens because I have a little like YouTube channel that I'll click on at my desk when I just need to like reset and ground my feet down and you know put both feet on the floor and close my eyes for a minute. But it also does happen uh, like the the part what what did you say? It makes me do cool stuff or it makes me helps me do new stuff when you see big beautiful art. Um, that's how I feel when I wrap all the words to like one of my favorite songs. It's like this really fulfilling feeling and it's not work and it's not um, it's just something that flows so I love music and I close my door a lot more than anyone at our office because I'm usually listening to music really loud so music is a big thing that throughout the day is just constantly soothing me like constantly getting me back to my work constantly taking me back to the place I was and 
nine to five isn't really, you know, like I never stopped working for DOKC, but I do, um, I have been for the past six months really finding that delicate balance of like still giving Hannah Royce and um, Confidence Con and like these other events and things that we're doing at the HQ. And then also like jumping in feet first into pride this year. Um, that's been a really big thing. And so at the end of the day, like like you said, like the purpose is is why we do the hard stuff. Like it's why we wake up and we keep going and we do the things we have to do so that we can in turn do the things we really want to do. So that's a great answer. And that was a great question. It's also a great, I really do it. We're gonna make you a panelist next time. <laughs> That was a really good question, just about how to do it that, that personally, and, and it's interesting. Y'all have pretty different answers. I'm glad you said music, though. That's a good answer. Maybe you could. I love it. Maybe get some Jacoby Ryan on those playlists. You know, I bet Jacoby would love it. <laughs> so, in the world of web and social, we've talked a lot about the social. Tell me about the world of the web. You know, I personally, my website is a, it's a, it's a, you know, a, a Yellow Pages ad, right? Like that's what it's for, so people can find you and see that you're legitimate and you're a real thing. And here's how I contact you. Look around, vibe feels like me, and I'm looking at a list of clients, and then I'll call them, send an email, reach out somehow, and that's why I, my website exists. It's just a place where they can get a feel for me, and then, um, and then reach out if they feel like it. I don't, I don't give any advice or any you know big tips or anything like that on the site because everybody's different. It's a it's a it's a beautiful business card it's that a anybody can get business to. Business card that moves around and there's a oh. video on it with umbrellas. It's pretty fantastic. Nice. Yeah. I'll Ryan check Tomlinson that out. Did it. It was very good. <laughs> That's awesome. Anybody else? Website. Tell us about your website. Um, What's you, your website? Uh, <laughs> so mine is Ryan.com. Uh, but. So I, I also do websites for people sometimes, um, and I mean everything goes in the same purpose. I mean everything goes in the same process. Where I just ask, what's the purpose? Um, so with with the website, with one kind I'm working on now, the purpose is to sell eBooks. So some people, the purpose is to sell stuff. Some is to get email uh, confirmation. That's another thing that I think is important for us to talk about is in social media. As brands, we can't depend on our social media pages. I think one thing we have to proactively do continuously is drive our social media following on whatever channel you're on to your email list because at any point, any social media network could be like Facebook and say you gotta pay $20 for every post for your fans to see them. Or like MySpace, people can just migrate to another network after one one day and you're, you don't have an audience anymore. You have to work from ground zero on the next one. But when you had your email list, um, that's your network that's yours. You own that. You don't own your following on Facebook. You don't own your following on Twitter. Twitter owns that. Um, so it's important to be aware of that uh, as a kind of an insurance policy for us. Um, but also, going back to the purpose um, with websites um, and the Facebook ads to connect it back to social media again, Facebook has a Facebook pixel where if your purpose is to get email uh, subscriptions, you can put a pixel on your website to where every time you run a Facebook ad and that ad goes to that page where it has the email confirmation or you're trying to make a sale, whoever doesn't take the action that you're trying to get them to take, 
Facebook will then, with that picture in the website, they'll make a whole look-alike list of people who, for one, didn't buy from you, and then they'll, who've been to your page and didn't buy from you, who've shown interest, and they'll also create look-alike mirror audiences of people who, across the nation who look just like those people who would be interested in it as well. Um, so there, these are just tools that we can use, but at, at the same time, it just depends on what the purpose is of your website for your brand. Like some people, they don't want to operate, or they want to book off their website, they want people to call them. Some people would rather call, uh, book off their website. So you know, it's just thinking about what's your purpose and aligning your purpose of your website with your brand. I love that. I'm glad you touched on that because that's, that's huge. Hannah, thoughts on websites? I like both of those uh, comments. I think websites should be simple, you know, depending on what your, um, your purpose is. You know, if you're selling a product, that sort of thing. Consistency is key. Um, hire people to do their jobs. That's a great thing. Like if you're starting out something from the ground up, I know it sounds easy to like just do it all yourself, um, but you'll be really glad looking back that you hired some professionals to help you like really craft your message and um, get it out there in the right way. So hire people and pay what they're pay them what they're good for. Animation is really awesome on websites. I I love any website I go to that has a fun mouse or like you know like something moving some sort of motion that gets me through to the bottom um it's we could go into like design but like you know thinking of the way again like you like to consume things and consume information usually you just want like the meat and potatoes like the get to the the end game, like we're going to contact each other or we're not. Right. Um, so I think have a website, ha always have a place for you to go. It's kind of like your email list, like that is your your space in the internet world. So buy all the domains that you need and keep them forever. They may be worth thousands of dollars one day. Um, you know, domains, website, like that's super crucial to your brand. So it's where people will go after they find you on social media, you know, even if they unsubscribe from your email list or whatever, they're still, they can still go find you, you know, if that's in their search history or whatever. So websites are crucial. I love it. Yeah. Very good question. And very important to social media if you're doing the digital marketing thing. So, uh, the question asked was around a specific artist who uh, really has a strong crowd crowdsourcing type uh, type presence, I guess a strong community online. I think the question is, is really is, is something to the effect of if we're starting out, how do I build community online as an artist? How do I build a crowd that is engaged in what I'm doing and maybe even weighing in on, on what it is and how it goes? Um, you can, I mean, you can go where you think you find your people and follow them. Who follows this person? I want to follow these people. I'm looking through there. I like them. I want to follow them. And then they'll be like, oh, who just followed me? And they'll look at you and be like, hey, I like you. And I'll follow you back. And it's, if, I think in, if you do it in a super organic way like that, you'll start to build it. And then it'll start to kind of find you after a while. Yeah, yeah I'm in agreement. I mean, I, all that I would piggyback off is say, like, just keep consistent too as you're posting. Um, so that when you are following people and they're following you back, there's something for them to see. Um, specific to Instagram, because obviously I'm always going to harp on that, but um, the first like nine images in your feed, people are going to read or see that first before they read your bio. Um, so I like to say like people should be able to tell everything about they need to know about you in those first nine photos. So I'd say too, I know that like pretty photos aren't everyone's jam, 
but there are ways of collaborating with like maybe local photographers to show off your art or whatever it is you're producing. Um, and there are also, outside of like Patreon and those sorts of platforms, there are there is a platform called iFundWomen. Um, and that's a really cool way to get plugged into their community. It's like crowdfunding, GoFundMe, but just for women entrepreneurs. And so those other women will turn around and fund your project right back. Um, and I know the same thing happens on the artist uh, crowdfunding page too. So, yeah. Yeah, I think both of those are, I mean, on point. Um, and also, I mean, the collaboration piece is big, especially, I mean, me as an artist, um, like me, there are a couple of other artists where we have kind of like, it's called tweet decking is what it's like socially called, where people who have their own markets team up and they'll repost each other's content to make sure they're keeping their network spread out and their market can see or this person can be open to their market, so on and so forth. Um, but one thing that I learned recently over the past couple of months that really blew my mind as far as marketing was um, when I think about trying to create a community, I think, okay, I want to show myself to as many people as possible so they all can see me, so I can get somebody out of that, the law of large numbers, um, which is what I always acted on. But I realized and I learned, um, and this is what I learned, this isn't for me, from experience, um, but being more, as, being as exclusive as you can be from the jump. Um, to where if you do like whatever you do, ask what, what do you do, and then ask yourself why you do it, and say, okay, who else would do it for this reason? And a lot of the times, that's a very niche audience um, where you have like, there are um, examples of like when Apple tests out products, Apple will test out uh, uh, an iPhone. If, they, if their biggest feature is a camera, they're going to go to photographers and test it out to the photographers. And if the photographers like it, the whole there's a technology lifespan that says the first person to adopt it is the, or the, is the innovator who adopts the idea, who produces the product. The second one is the, uh, the early adopters, which are the first techies that are super on point in front of everybody. And they're the ones who kind of set the trends for the, the next level of adopters, and then the laggards come. Um, so just going to the, at being as definitive, as clarified, and as specific as you can on whatever market you're trying to go towards, and because you're creating a product specifically for them, and the value is in it so much for them that they spread it around organically themselves, and it's, it kind of works to your advantage, that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely a lot to be said about, uh, I mean, you guys should probably have a whole other questions about, um, what's it like to collaborate with other people commuting on, on social media? That's such a big part of it, and I love what you're talking about, doing that with your friends and stuff like that. It's critical, especially in the music music scene online, and, and, I, and I like the uh, kind of what you touched on there at the end. Um, we have, a, we, have a, we have we have time for one more question. Sorry, it's late. You can tell my brain's fed me. Uh, we do have quite time for one more question, so if anyone's got it. Gonna, my job is to talk to reporters and editors all day long and have them tell me no. 
So I fail all day long every day. And I think that was what, I think maybe learning that like, okay, why didn't that work when this person, you know? So I think early on I probably, um, probably figured out that, that learning from my failures is, is part of the game, right? Um, but I also, I learned recently, um, this may not even be related, but I want to share it. I learned recently that, um, you know, when you were saying someone had a bad day, right? You can like boil it back down to like a bad like two minutes. Right. And like talk about the fact that it was two, give it its real time. You, you've given it a day. It was a bad two minutes and you've let it have your entire day. So I just wanted to share that since we were talking about that. Um, but yeah, failure is, failure is a really important part of every single thing you do because there is only one way to learn. It's by not knowing what you're doing. I would say, I, I can't think of a, a specific thing because like Tracy said, there are many. Um, you know, when you're like managing someone else's voice and what they're putting out to the world, it can be a lot of pressure. Um, so I would think also just for me, just thinking about what you say before you say it every time. Just never like putting things out there when maybe that bad two minutes got to you and you were like, I'm going rogue, like I'm gonna, yeah. Take it everyone else. Also, you know, I think um, to trust your gut, yeah. always. If it feels icky, yeah. well then give it a few minutes. Maybe it's not icky, you know, but maybe it is. So just trust your gut on it and be like, this feels like icky, maybe I shouldn't do this thing, or I think I'm making a joke, but maybe it's not gonna fall on the right side of joke. <laughs> so, so maybe I'm gonna pause it and see how many people I don't piss off today, because um, I tend to do that. So um, I, think, I think that's probably it. Trust your gut. Um, in every single thing. And if something feels like it's wrong, it might not be. Give it a rest and see if it is tomorrow. Um, and I think they're pretty accurate in saying, I mean, there's so much that we failed at, I mean, that we all fail at and what we do with our purpose. Um, it's hard to touch anything uh, specifically, but I know what's been most valuable for me personally has been simply to fail. It's been simply to let go of the idea that I'm not gonna fail and let go of the idea that I can do this without failing, or let go of the idea that this is going to be the best thing every time, and let go of the idea that this is perf this perfection, like, just letting go of the fact that, or letting go of the idea that this is just a sprint, that it, this only matters, like, whatever is happening in this project from today till next month to next year, however long it's going to last, this is so important, because really it's not important. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you just, it's another notch on your belt for the long term. So I think what's important for me, what's been important for me is to get as much as I can out of that experience while I have it. Whether it's a contractual uh, position, whatever it is, use that experience to your best, to your best knowledge to be the best, uh, to have the best effect for you going forward and be uh, effective for you. Um, and just letting go of the fact that you're not gonna be this person who, you're not gonna be Oprah who've been doing this for 40 years, and you've tried it, this is your first year. You know, I think embracing that first year, embracing that you suck, um, embracing that, that it's, it's terrible when it is, and, and, and moving on and getting better is the best thing. Um, and I, Gary Vee's one person who really gave me a lot of inspiration on that, where it's just like, own up to your bullshit, you know? Um, and he talks about clouds and dirt, where it says, keep your head in the clouds, keep looking long-term as far as 10, 20, 30 years, but work like you only have today, you know. Um, so, yeah. 
I love that. Man, good answers. I love hearing fail stories because they end up being so positive all the time. You know, it's kind of intuitive. Well, I man, thank you all so much for coming out. Y'all were such an entertaining, articulate panel. It was just great to spend some time with you. Um, we do want to take just one moment, let y'all plug whatever you want to plug for your own businesses, stuff happening in Oklahoma City, and then we'll wrap up here. Thank you. Well, I have 52 and 365 where I'm putting out a new song, a new video, and podcast explaining the song every week. Um, that can be found at 52and365.com and jacobyryan.com. Mine aren't really plugging me. Mine's plugging, you know, I got to plug my people. But um, um, there's a chance to expand Medicaid in Oklahoma. And if you call your legislators and tell them you want that, there's a chance that you could maybe make that happen. So. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, and then um, also there's a chance that, you know, there's going to be dedicated bike lanes in Oklahoma City, but only if people get involved and help um, because it's a volunteer effort and we're trying to create this, this big group to make that happen. So if you want to get involved in that, um, you can find me on Twitter, TZeke. <laughs> I'm going to plug uh, Oklahoma City Pride. Um, this is a brand new year for Pride, um, a newly formed organization. The former organization is dissolved. Uh, Lauren Zuniga at the helm. Uh, she was former 39th Street Executive Director, and she actually resigned just to create uh, the newly formed Oklahoma City Pride Alliance. So um, I will give a little plug that the Monday of Pride Week, which there's going to be a Pride Week, like an entire week for Oklahoma City, and there is stuff that's even happening starting June 1st for Pride Month, um, because it is the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which is why we have Pride. Um, and so Paris is Burning is a, is a documentary, um, Rafiki is a documentary. These are things that you could come see during Pride Week things that will educate you as an ally and make you realize that being gay in Oklahoma is more than just like glitter and boys in their underwear. So um, it's something that's really near and dear to my heart to expand that educational efforts a little bit further for Pride. And um, the mayor will be joining us at the opening ceremonies on Monday for a very special proclamation that week. So I just think uh, if you're an ally, if you want to get involved, you should volunteer. You know, we need hands on deck um, Pride weekend. And if you want to let our queer youth and people who really need to like celebrate that weekend, if you want to help them out, I think the best way is to volunteer that weekend. Um, and it's all I'm doing for the next six weeks. So. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much. And we do want to say thank you so much to the Show Starts Now Studios, to Dennis Spielman and all the awesome projects he has. Thank you for creating uh, Art and Victory. Thanks for having us out. And we also want to thank Main Site Contemporary Art Gallery. We are here in Norman. You can catch them on the second Friday Art Walk here in Norman. And these incredible paintings, which are all over, which y'all could see, um, you just have to come down to see them. It's David Holland, and he will be the artist resident and running this exhibition from May 9th through July 12th. We'd love to see you there. Um, I'm Christian Pearson, and we'll see you all at the next one. Thanks. Hi, guys. Hey. Sorry.